Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Homestead Story. Today, we're going to dive right into cows. Yeah, we've got a ton to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. <laughs> yes. Um, one thing about dairy cows is whenever I hear from families who are homesteading, I always hear the same thing. Oh, we want a dairy cow. I wish we had a dairy cow, or we want to get a dairy cow someday. There's something just so romantic about the idea of a family dairy cow. And today, we just kind of want to give an intro into the family dairy cow, and it is doable. It is achievable. We are four, We are a family of four young children. We're just not that different from you, came from the suburbs, and we've had our cow for almost a year now, our cows, for almost a year now. So we're going to talk today about what it's like to have cows, how to how to have a family dairy cow. Right. So let me tell you what my starting point was, which was several years ago, we went to the county fair and we were walking through one of the barns that had lots of animals and they had cows in it. And there, there was this little girl, she probably was like 10 years old or something. Mm -hmm. And she had put down fresh hay and she could see that the cow was getting ready to poop on it and I don't think she wanted it to so she kind of like kicked the cow over a little bit and moved it and pushed it where she wanted it to go and then it you know it did its thing and I was watching her do this and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> that 10 year old girl like knows what she's doing you know and I wouldn't have a clue what to do with a cow so my starting point is that a 10 year old girl knew a whole lot more than me about cows and um, I didn't know anything, pretty much. Yeah, so. but you looked at that 10-year-old girl and you said, hey, if a 10-year-old girl can do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I remembered yeah. back to that when we were talking about getting cows. And there were some points where I was really stressed out because I didn't know what I was doing and I was unsure. And that I would just think, well, that 10-year-old girl could do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so no excuse for me if yeah. I can. So I can do it. Right. So what I've seen after having cows here for a year is that the cows are the center of the homestead. I heard someone else call the dairy cow the heartbeat of the homestead, and that really makes a lot of sense to me because there's just this rhythmical pattern to life now. So I'm taking care of them in the evening and then milking the cow in the morning, and it's what takes the most of my time here on the homestead. But it also is the center of the homestead from a bunch of different standpoints, so the primary inputs to our farm are sunlight and water, and the cow then becomes the way to harvest those things. So sunlight and water turn into grass, and the cow harvests the grass and turns it into things that are usable for everything else. Everything from manure to the plants, to a whole lot of milk, to she has calves, which then turn into a meat supply for us. So uh, our dairy, our, our manure, our meat, our time, a whole lot of things are now focused around the milk cow. Yeah, exactly. So I will say, just starting off, that the most important thing to having a dairy cow is unity with your spouse. If one person does not want a dairy cow, it will become very difficult. I think a dairy cow, it has to be something that both, both the husband and the wife want. 
Yeah, because there's a lot of different ways to set up a homestead and set up a farm. But if you're going to have a dairy cow, that's going to be a specific expression of that. And it takes a lot of time and effort. And so when I'm going out to milk the cow in the morning or take care of the cows or something's needed for them, I really need Kristen to be in unity with me on that. Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, that's your thing. Because I think a lot of bitterness could happen because it becomes a big commitment. Like You can't just go on vacation whenever you want to. You are committed to this this homestead. You're committed to this dairy cow. And it has to be something, even though I don't do as much with the cows, um, it's more Pete does the work and does most of the most of the things with the cows, but I'm supporting him. I'm in with the kids and it's what we both want. So I think if one spouse doesn't want it, it would be a lot more difficult. Absolutely. It's just a big commitment. So any big commitment in marriage, I think you want to go into together. Yeah, exactly. So let's start at the very beginning of Dairy cow ownership. (laughs) And the very beginning is land. Right. So everyone, this was my question. This is everyone's question. How many acres does it take per cow? I think I Googled that right when we were first starting. I was like, do we have enough land for cows? So I Googled it and there's no good answer Yeah, (laughs) because grass grows differently everywhere. Yeah. It all depends on your grass and how your grass grows. Right. And it depends on your pasture. Like some people have really good pasture that, and some people don't. So in Maryland, grass grows crazy fast. You can watch it grow, basically. Yeah, people around here mow their lawn pretty much every week in the spring and the fall. Yeah. So we have, our cows have access to three acres? Three acres of pasture that I rotate them through, and they can't keep up with it. Yeah. I mean, they just cannot keep up with it, which I'm excited about because that means we can have more more animals out there at some point when we want to. But yeah. right now, that yeah, there's two cows and three acres and, and they get behind. So if you have a property of 30 acres, but it's 30 acres of forest, you know, it's, you know, someone with three acres of, of grass and pasture is going to be better off. So it's all about the grass and how your grass grows. But we'll just say in our experience, we have three acres, two cows, and they can't keep up with it. So it all depends, and we can't really define it any more than we just did there. It depends on the area, and, and it would probably be most helpful to find somebody around who can tell you what it is. But Yeah. Yeah. Ask someone in your area who has cows. but Which we didn't do. I'd love to throw out a number. I'd love to say three acres for two cows, but again, we can't do that. <laughs> it all depends. Exactly. Okay, so next question, where to get a cow? And this one can also be hard because there's just not a ton of people out there doing homestead cows. So we really wanted a cow that was going to be grass-fed or at least primarily grass-fed. And we wanted a cow that was going to be a good dairy breed. And a lot of the dairy breeds are just going to be calmer cows that that are, they've been raised for a long time to be good at giving milk. And so we were looking around and we had to contact a bunch of people. And I think the primary thing to understand here is you don't want a cow coming out of an industrialized commercial system. That just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. You want a family cow that's going to be able to exist on pasture. And so best case scenario is you get a family cow coming out of a family where, where things are already being done primarily the way that you want to do them. So that's the the biggest thing to look for there. Yeah. So we first, found one, a friend just knew we were looking for a dairy cow or open to a dairy cow. And she sent me one on Craigslist and it was a great cow. It was from like, I, we talked about this in a previous podcast, but we went to visit the family and we loved how they did everything. It was so simple and peaceful. They had one dairy cow and we really enjoyed them, but then they decided they did, they weren't ready to part with their dairy cow. And then we had a friend of a friend who 
their family did dairy cows up in Pennsylvania. And we contacted them and they were they had a dairy cow that they were ready to part with, but they wanted us to come and see, which is you want to see where your cow's coming from. You want to see them and the pasture the that they're being raised on and everything. So we drove up to Pennsylvania three hours away. Yeah, we got there okay in the car. The kids were happy. Yeah, <laughs> four little kids in the car, um, three hours up. And we went and we saw the way that they did cows. They had 12 children, actually. Yeah. It was 12 children, right? I think so. They were an awesome family, but they had 18 cows. They got into dairy cows, you know, a few years ago and really enjoyed it. And they started having calves and they started raising beef cows. So they had a lot of different beef cows and um, dairy cows. So we got there and... I was talking to the farmer and someone made a comment to him at one point because they were buying like 20 gallons of milk a week or something (laughs) like that. And they were like, why don't you just get a cow? And he was like, well, all right, I guess I will. (laughs) Yeah. So, but anyway, we went up there and... They had 18 cows and they were hungry. We had, we got there a little bit late. Yeah, we were, got there late and they were going to go ahead and wait for us to do the milking so that we could be a part of it. Yeah. And so the cows were not happy. The cows do not oh. like it when you break their schedule. So we get there and it sounded like dinosaurs. The cows were all mooing so loud. They were all so mad. They went <laughs> they wanted to be fed. They wanted to be milked. And yeah. I just remember being like Oh my gosh. Like we have a baby. So I, I remember I was like pushing a stroller through the field while all these cows were moving <laughs> like dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh my God. It was really intimidating. I'm watching them bringing all these cows, 18 cows are bringing them all in. And I was like, what are we doing? Are, yeah, we, do, are we really doing One of the this? cows decided it didn't want to come. So <laughs> one of his sons, one of his grown sons was out there like wrestling. Yeah. The I'm cow. like, um, I can't do, are you kidding me? So we were a little bit intimidated, but I, I just kept telling myself, It'll work out. It'll fit. We'll, we'll figure it out. But 18 cows is going to look very, very different than two cows. So right. anyway, I just keep that in mind. So Yeah, coolest family ever. And they invited us to dinner, but they showed us a whole bunch of how they did the cow set up there. And it was really fun to see it for yeah. maybe the second time. Yeah. And they did cows differently than us because they had so many and they had, you know, a lot more kids and everything. So anyway, we ended up getting a cow from them and they brought it down, but one of the problems was the farmer, the, the cow owner, was a little bit concerned because when you're learning how to milk a cow, it's really important that you are able to clear the cow out, like get all the milk out of her udders. You don't want her milk supply to drop and you don't want her to get an infection. So, And it's really hard. If you, I mean, for the first time, it, I mean, it's easy now, but it was really hard to learn how to, to actually milk the cow. And it's going to be a new environment for that cow, which means she's not going to be happy about it. Cows are very into routine. They so. don't like change. So right. they really do not. So he knew. He was like, "It's. I want you to see them in their environment now because you're going to have a tough first week because they don't like new things. <laughs> yeah, that's so. true. And that, that probably is across the board. You get a, a, a new milk cow somewhere. It's just going to be a hard week or two. Yeah, they don't want someone new milking them. They don't like a new environment. So... Anyway, he, his son, so the farmer's son had this great idea. He said, why don't we send the dairy cow with the calf? Right. And I was like, I had just gotten over the thought that we would have one cow. And yeah. he called up and said, well, why don't you have two? And I was like, two? I, don't, I was like, ah. I can't handle two. I can't even handle one, I think. Yeah, we were like, no. But he talked it out with me and he basically explained how this would be so much easier than having one. It was having two. And it, it really has been. It was a great idea. I'm so glad we did it. Right. 
First thing, that cow is going to be in a brand new environment, and now her calf, and we say calf, it was a seven or eight month old calf. So yeah, not a little baby. Not a, a baby. Big, big cow. But the cow is going to come with her calf, which means she's just going to be a whole lot more at peace because she's going to have her calf there. And even though they left their herd, at least they had each other. So we weren't going to have a cow by itself, which right. if you have the space for it, I think makes a whole lot of sense not to just have one cow by, by itself. People do do that, and it, it can be done. Um, right. But if you have the space, I would say definitely go for two. Right. So here's the thing. A lot of people milk two times a day in the morning and the evening. So we have the calf, and so the calf would clean her out. So we did not need to milk twice a day. Right. So I went down there for the first day, and it was a miserable failure. Yeah. I mean, it was just terrible. <laughs> yeah. I was with you at that point. Yeah. And, and like... A cow actually lets down her milk. It's not like it just comes out of, you know, she has to kind of be in agreement with the process mm-hmm. and she wasn't doing that. And it was just, She's I like, mean, she was moving you? all over the place <laughs> and we got her, we, we put some grain for her, but I didn't even have a good place to do that. Like I put some grain for her in a, in a tub so that I could get her close enough to the wall so I could put a chain around her, her, her. Uh, halter, and even then, it was like she was moving all over the place. Yeah, she was not happy. She was the not second let day. Us. She was so offended at what I was doing, and I was next to her, and there was a wall next to me. Oh my gosh! She forgot. shoved me up against the wall, <laughs> and then just I wasn't going anywhere. I forgot all about that. I remember I was I was like, should I be concerned yeah. right now? <laughs> like she just sandwiched me up against the wall, and her <laughs> belly was so big it didn't really hurt. But I was yeah, I was really like uh. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I'm stuck. I forgot about that. She shoved you against the wall. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So I stayed calm because that was the thing the farmer told me over and over and over again. He was like, do not get frustrated at the cow or you will make it worse. Yeah. And he said, do not let them push you around. And he's like, it, you know, this was good advice that he gave us. Let them think that you are allowing whatever is happening to happen. Right. So, it's kind of like having kids. Yeah. So he was like, if she, you know, and that what he meant, like, if she pushes you up against the wall, which he didn't right. say. Make just it seem like it's my idea. Make it seem like it's your idea. So you're like, great, I'll milk you up against the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you just had to so calm. If you had been scared, I would have freaked out. But yeah. you were like, oh, no, I'm up against the wall. Right. Okay. So the cow was definitely pushing me around at first. Yeah. But we just kind of pretended like we were letting it happen. Right. Which is really interesting because now I can push the cows around, which makes no sense because they're they're literally 1,200 pounds. I mean, they could do whatever they wanted if yeah. they wanted, but they think that I'm in control. So yeah. if I want them to go somewhere and they're being stubborn about it, I can push their head in that direction or that kind of thing. And they do what I tell them to do. It's all about confidence. You got to be confident around them, which right. I am not. So <laughs> Right. So that first week went badly, but again, we had the calf there. So we just let, you know, let her back out of the, the milking stall and the cow, you know, the calf took the rest of the milk and mm-hmm. we knew that at least from that standpoint, everything was going to be fine. Right. So what we do is in the morning, Peter milks the cow And then we let them out on the pasture together. And that's when the calf could just nurse whenever she wanted to. And then in the evening, Peter goes out and he bribes them with a little bit of grain or yeah, a little Whatever. bit of grain. Yeah. And they come in and we separate them. And, yeah. So it's, it's a double stall, which is what we have. And we just put a gate in the middle so they can see each other. But we separated them to either side of that and they spend the night in there. Yeah. So they're together, but then the cow can't get to her to nurse. So then that milk supply builds up and then Pete comes out, comes down in the morning and milks her. So it works out really well for us. And we get two gallons of milk a day and the calf 
begins to wean herself. So our calf is weaned. So what, at what point do you say she gets weaned? Like a year and a half? Yeah, I don't really know exactly when it happened. Probably about a year and a half. Yeah, at about a year and a half, we noticed that the calf was not nursing anymore, but that was fine because that's a slow process that she weans, and our cow got used to just being milked in the morning, so it works out great. And next thing... Yeah, when when we first got her, she was probably giving four gallons of milk a day, and we were were getting two. Yes. And now we just get two, so her milk supply has dropped to two gallons a day. Which is good because she's pregnant and she's going to have a calf soon. And Yes. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you get your, a cow pregnant. <laughs> right. So the farmer tried, he had a bull, so he tried to give us a pregnant milk cow, which is would have been really cool because that would have just solved that problem for us. But it turns out she didn't get pregnant from the bull. So what I noticed was, well, first we had a vet come out and find out if she was pregnant or not. And she wasn't. So we were like, oh gosh, I guess we'll have to get her pregnant, what do we do about that? So artificial insemination is what you do about that if you don't have space for a bull, which we don't. And even if we had space for a bull, I'm not sure we're there yet. I'm afraid of having a bull on the property. (laughs) Yeah. You got to be a lot more careful, uh, especially with the kids. Yes. So we caught up the local cow, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Yeah. The the person who does this. Yeah. This is a job. Right. So this... There's that show Dirty Jobs. I think they had one of those for cow so insemination. We find this man who does it in our area. He was this 80-year-old man. And I was a little nervous. I'm like, he, he came with this 80-year-old man is going to artificially inseminate our cow? Like, this seems really dangerous to me. Is this okay? You know? And he was the most fit, like, strong 80-year-old man I've ever seen. And he brought us some nice bull, um, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, he inseminated our cow. And the way that you do that is you um, have to watch your dairy cow and right. well, the watch cows, her because uh, she's in heat. Yeah, cow cycles 21 days. So I would notice, and this is easy because I was milking her every morning, that every once in a while she would just be really agitated in mm-hmm. the morning. And she would be mooing like the entire time I was milking her. And then the next day she would be fine. Yes. Well, she would be crazy. Like, I would watch you out in the pasture trying to get them, and they were just running. When they're in heat, they were just running around like crazy. They are mooing. They're climbing on top of each other. And then you know that they are in heat. Right. So I started tracking that on the calendar. And so at 20 days, I called called this farmer up, and I said, I think she's going to be in heat tomorrow. And he said, all right, well, you know, find out in the morning. And if she is, I'll come over. Yeah. So sure enough, the next morning she was mooing like crazy and was clearly a little bit agitated while I was milking her. So uh, I called him up and he came over and, you know, he took care of it. And our cow was pregnant. And people always ask me, how do you know she's pregnant? Because they don't get like a big belly because they're already so huge. So people say, how do you know she's pregnant? And you know, because they don't go into heat every 21 days. Yeah, 21 days later, she was super calm. Yeah, you know when they are in heat, they are just they start acting crazy. And if if you're you know milking them every day and watching them every day, it's just so clear. So right, there were also some signs uh, the milk supply drops for a couple days and then goes back up, and that happened right, right. when she got pregnant. Right. So so her calf now, the big calf who's probably two years old at this point, she is going to become our beef supply in a couple of weeks. And then our cow will have a new calf and that will refresh the milk and it will just, will raise up another beef cow, most likely. Right. And 
it will help us, you know, just clean her out during the milking process. Right. Now with a cow, it's not like her milk is just going to dry up. I mean, we can keep milking her. I don't know how long it would go before it finally dried up. So I don't think there's any huge pressure that, you know, to get her pregnant to have another calf. But from our point of view is this is another huge asset to the farm. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we try and get her pregnant? So uh, we tried and it worked. And I've heard a lot of people have had a harder experience with insemination because you got to time it perfectly. But the thing is, when you have one or two cows, it's a lot easier to time that, I think. Like right. it was really obvious to us when she was in heat. So, yeah, but if you had 18 to 20 cows, it might be harder to tell who's in heat. But with one, you just know for sure. Right, right. So the neat thing about getting them inseminated, though, is you can pick the kind of breed that you want to represent 50% of the genetics. So our milk cow right now is already 50% brown Swiss, which is a really cool breed. And it's a, a very large breed. They're really good on pasture and eating a lot of grass. So we had a brown Swiss uh, bull. And so, you know, that's what we got. Yeah. So we get two gallons of milk a day from our dairy cow. Which is a ton. Yeah, it's a lot of milk. <laughs> and again, we can't sell it here in Maryland. So that's two gallons of milk yes. for us. Yep. And people are like, whoa, two gallons of milk a day. What do you do with two gallons of milk a day? And there's we do so much with our milk. So I used to, when we first got the cow, I used to milk the cow in the morning with Peter. And then we just found that for me, taking care of the kids all day and making the dairy products, it was too much. So... Peter milks the cow, and then I wake up and I clean out all the cow gear, and then I typically make some sort of dairy product. So we make our own butter. Raw milk is so awesome. I mean, grass-fed, clean, raw milk is really awesome. Our milk is obviously not homogenized, so the milk that you buy in the store is homogenized. It goes through this like chemical spinning process. No, it's, not, it's mechanical, mechanical, not chemical. Sorry, yeah. mechanical. <laughs> it makes the fat... Uh, particles smaller so that they don't separate. Yes, because once the milk, once the cream rises to the top, it just looks older and they wanted the milk to sit on the shelves longer. So they homogenized it so the cream would not rise to the top. So our cream rises to the top and it takes about a day. And so after a day, I scoop out the cream and I put it in a blender and I turn it into butter. So we use butter a lot for all of our recipes and for our bread and just all sorts of things. Right. So the butter is kind of the same color as the butter from the store during the winter when the cows are eating hay. Right. As soon as they get out on real grass, the butter is twice as yellow it's as the butter dark, from the store. It's this dark, dark yellow. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And it tastes so good. It's so creamy and it's awesome. So we make our own butter and then we typically give the skim milk. We don't really drink the skim milk. We give the skim milk to the dogs and the cats and the, and chickens. the, chickens. the chickens. love it. Yes. And sometimes I might even put it on the plants for fertilizer. If you read Farmer Boy, Almanzo, he had like the prize winning pumpkin in the fair because he did a milk fed pumpkin. Milk so fed pumpkin, yeah. Our son's going to do a milk fed pumpkin this year. <laughs> so, yeah, well, he wants to. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. So we use it for our plants, our animals. We also make our own yogurt. My kids eat about a gallon of yogurt every, I don't know, three or four days. Yeah. We make our own cream sauces. I make the best pasta Alfredo yeah. you've ever had. Yeah, Pete's pasta Alfredo is amazing. Uh, we, gosh, I mean, we just do use it for everything, all kinds of recipes. Uh, we also make our own cheeses. Yeah, ice well, cream. Cheese, cheese, ice cream. Oh my gosh. Our ice cream is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so even the whole milk at the store isn't actually full fat. That's just up to a certain percentage. So our milk is full, full fat, which is very creamy. Yeah, it's amazing. 
And obviously, our family drinks a lot of raw milk. We are big believers in raw milk. We actually, a couple weeks ago, recorded a podcast on raw milk, but then we just decided that that was just a battle we did not really feel like getting involved in. (laughs) Yeah, we've learned a lot about it because we wanted to know before we started doing it ourselves, and it's a big controversial topic. Yes. And then we found out it's a really big controversial topic. People are like crazy about the raw milk topic. It's like everybody... They're very passionate about the raw milk topic. Either you hate it or you love it. There's Mm -hmm. real milk.com and then real milk facts.com and like each I forget which one is which but like there are opposite yes. sides and I mean some people think it cures every world problem and then some right. people think it's the devil you're gonna so, die instantly yeah so we understand both sides and we we believe that it's a really good health food but we also understand that it can be dangerous raw milk has to come from a clean grass-fed source and so we just think you should just do your own research on it. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting subject. There's a lot of history there that's, you know, why did they start doing pasteurization in the first place? And mm-hmm. what does it mean now? And what does it do to the milk and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting topic that is worth looking into for sure. Right, but we drink a ton of milk. I think our kids, between us and our kids, we probably just drink a gallon of milk a day. A gallon, really? Yeah, I think I would so. Say a little, I would say a half a gallon plus a half gallon. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> Half, half gallon? What is that? This I mean, a half gallon. gallon plus a half of a half gallon. Oh, so three quarters yeah. of a gallon. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. not a good homeschool math teacher. <laughs> All right. So we drink somewhere between three quarters of a gallon and a gallon <laughs> and a half and a half a gallon or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's somewhere in there. So Math ha- has never been my strong point. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the next question is, what are the chores involved with having cows? So the first big thing is that they have water. Um, they need water all the time, especially a dairy cow drinks a ton of water. So we are blessed to have a property that had underground hydrants at several key places throughout the farm. So we, you know, just put some big water bins out and fill those up and the cows drink them as needed. And you just need to make sure it doesn't freeze in the winter. And how do you keep it from freezing in the winter? We have a contraption that I got that just puts a low amount of heat into the bin and it plugs in. And so that keeps it just above freezing. Right. And that's all we need. Right. So that's water. The second big one is because we are separating the cows and putting them in a cow stall at night. That means that they're going to poop and pee in there. So I put down about 12 to 14 inches of wood chips in there, and that takes care of the urine, and the wood chips just break down over time. Which is amazing, because the first week that we had them, I didn't want you to do wood chips, because I was like, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, I was like, nobody else does wood chips, everybody does straw, we just put straw down. Yeah, straw's terrible. Oh, it was so gross. It mats down so quickly. You have to clean it out. If you do straw, we have, we're cleaning it out every Smells terrible. day, and it just, the urine, it would just soak in the urine. And Right, and in general, straw, so straw comes from wheat, which is probably sprayed with chemicals, and so I didn't want that either. Right. And, uh, but just cleaning out the urine, it just made me, it was gross. Right. So I put a ton of wood chips in there. They urinate onto that and then it just breaks down and same with the chickens. Once a year I can clean it out and use it all as fertilizer. Right. The wood chips break down and, uh, it becomes a really nice compost. But the manure you take out. The manure I take out, that would really back up. So Uh in the evening I muck out the stall and I throw it into a wheelbarrow and then I just have a big pile, uh, next to a pile of wood chips and I'll... I'll, you know, just dump that in the pile, throw some wood chips on there. How Um, long does it take you to clean out the manure? I'm inside with the little ones. 
Oh, it doesn't take long. I mean, that part takes five minutes. Yeah. So you're you're spending five minutes mucking out the stall real quick. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know. Wood chips are the way to go. And you, it really is. You clean them out once a year. And if you weren't, if you, that's the hard part about separating them so that we can get milk in the morning is that if we just had them out in pasture, if mm-hmm. like if you just had beef cows and you wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff, mm-hmm. just doing beef cows is a whole lot easier than right. the dairy cow. Right. And if, yeah, so the only reason we have to bring them in is to separate them. And that's right. why we have to clean up the stuff. And theoretically, you could separate them on pasture too if you had the right fencing system. But it's really nice to have her there and ready to go in the morning right. to milk. Right. So. Yeah. So you can figure out your own way. This is how we do it. But I think anyone can use. Yeah, this their works own really creativity. well for us now. I don't know if we'll do it this way forever either. Yeah. But right. It's working for now. So yeah, that's. I guess you could separate them into different pastures and then you wouldn't really have to clean out a stall. Right. Hmm. That's right. a good idea. We should think about that. Yeah, we should. That could be awesome. So the other big thing is. I can't believe we haven't thought of that. <laughs> I've thought of it. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> the other big thing is hay in the winter. So we let the grass grow as much as we can going into the winter, and then they can stay out on that and eat it. And I think we had them eating it through December this year. So we didn't need hay till January. I'm hoping we can get halfway through January this year. We'll see. But at some point, you know, cows naturally would have been migratory animals, like the buffalo in America would have migrated back down to Texas in the winter and would have eaten the grass there. Uh, We can't do that here. There's nowhere to migrate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we feed them hay. So the farmer down the street gives us hay and we end up having to pay a good amount for that. Yeah. People like to know numbers. What would you say we pay for hay in the winter? So we we pay, I think we paid $5.50 for a bale of hay and I'd have to go back and look. I think they probably went through, I don't know, 100 bales of hay or something. Okay. Yeah. So there's that's a cost to keep in mind if you're doing grass yeah, fed. Yeah, no, it was more than that. I think we probably paid about eight or nine hundred dollars in hay this year for two cows. Okay. And ideally, we wouldn't be overwintering a beef cow through the mm-hmm. winter. I mean that that was not a cost that made sense. But it was our first year doing it, and I think we just quite, weren't quite sure what to do about it. Right. Okay, so there you go. There's the basic chores, milking in the morning, bringing them in in the evening so we can separate them, and then mucking out the stall, which takes five minutes if you use the deep mulch method, and then uh, water. And then water. That's about it. That's about it. Just keeping an eye on them. Yeah. You know, making sure the fences are up. Yeah. That kind of thing. Right. Okay, so fencing. That was, that's, getting started is always the hardest thing. So fencing is the hardest. Right. What's the hardest thing? Yeah, fencing's the hardest thing. Like we said, we had a perimeter fence, but it didn't have any electric on it. Mm-hmm. So the cows got here and we let them, we had them in a like a half acre pasture that was attached to the barn. That was going to be where we started them. And they got here and they were immediately looking for their herd. It was insane. So picture us, this couple from the suburbs who knows nothing about cows. We get these two huge cows and... They start running around, racing around this half-acre pasture, mooing because they came from um, they came from a farm with eighteen cows. They were looking for that herd. They wanted their herd. They didn't know where they were. Right. So the the this part of the fence happens to be a white PVC fence. That was what was here when we bought the house, and and they started like pushing up against it, 
not, not on purpose. They were just walking there and their big bellies were pushing up against it. And it was like flexing outwards. I was mm-hmm. like, they're going to go 12 inches more and this whole thing's going to shatter. And they're going to run down the road looking for their run. herd. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my I was gosh. so stressed out. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I got some grain and I led them back into the barn stall and I shut the door and I was like, they're not leaving the barn. I mean, they're stuck in here. Yeah. And I immediately went out to the store and I was like, we need to get electric. Yes. So, <laughs> so you buy like um, a wire that goes around the fence. Yeah. That um, It's a single wire that goes, we just have a single wire that goes around the perimeter of the fence. And I thought I knew about this because I've done plenty of residential electric before and turns out electricity operates differently under high voltage. So it's a high voltage, low amperage setup, which means it's not going to do anybody any damage because it's low amperage, but it's high voltage. So it hurts a lot. Okay. If you touch it. So yes, I touched it and I cried. Yeah. It sent a shock to my brain. I thought it was really scary. <laughs> I've never had, I've, I've, I touched it all over the property just to make sure it was working. Oh and I never, God. I never had the brain effect, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm kind of dramatic, but it yeah. was really scary. It, but it goes, it goes from the wire through the ground to the charger is how it completes the circuit. And so I was, I was testing and I was like, this thing is wimpy. Like it's not doing anything. So I called the company up and I was like, what am I doing wrong? It's not really doing anything. I mean, it was, I was getting shocked, but I just like, this wouldn't hurt a cow. And I had these big rubber boots on and the guy said, well, take your boots off. Oh my <laughs> so I did. And then it, uh, Whoa. then it hurt. But <laughs> yeah. So, so the biggest thing was just that it needed a lot more insulation. So I used some wire to put it underground, like where they were going to go through one of the fences. I just used normal inside electric wire and that was then leaking electricity into the ground and you have to use the really well insulated wire that you know that they sell for this kind of thing and anyway yeah we did get it working it just it was a little stressful yeah that was probably the most stressful part was getting that electric fencing going when we knew nothing about this we've never done yeah we're not front we did not grow up on a farm so we're kind of just figuring this out but now that I've done it, it's a piece of cake. Yeah, and here's the other thing. Now that the cows know that this is their home, they they don't want to escape. So, right. you know, they were running around and they were kind of pushing up against the fences when they first got here, but that's not a normal part of life. They don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, they want to be here now. That was just when they first got here. Yeah, especially a dairy cow. So the calf is half Angus, and she's, she's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, beef cows are going to be more wild. But, yeah, a dairy cow, they're just very domesticated. Yes. Right. So that initial fencing was the hardest part, but once you get your fencing going, then, you know, you're set. (laughs) Yeah, really. So we hear a lot of families that say they would love to have a dairy cow, and we would love to see more families have a dairy cow. We think it's very doable. We have four young children, and we are just a normal couple from the suburbs. Like, we really do think this is an attainable dream and we think it's so worth it. And sure, there's definitely some learning curves. <laughs> like you might, your cow might try to push you around in the beginning. <laughs> we had huge cows or our smaller breeds. Yeah. And I just really enjoy it. I mean, it's not work for me to go out in the morning and milk the cow. I love being out on the farm. I just, there's something about this that I really enjoy doing. And so it, it's kind of effortless for me and it is a lot of work if it's not going to be something that you really want or something you don't enjoy, but that hasn't been my experience. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not for everybody. That's for sure. 
Right. So (laughs) we covered a lot in this podcast and there's a whole lot more to cover if you wanted to get into the details of all of this. Feel free, if you're thinking about getting a cow or you're starting to get a cow, feel free to email us at homesteadstory at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions. It meant so much to me that I could reach out to some people while we were going through this and, and have some questions answered. Yeah. Yeah. So we love our dairy cow. We definitely think it's worth it. And so that's just kind of our day to day with a dairy cow. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.